Hello, welcome to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by Kieran from Who Scored and Jonathan Wilson as well to look forward to the Champions League final, which is taking place on Saturday evening. Really, really excited for this one. Manchester City, of course, have got the chance of getting a historic treble. Jonathan? I've completely forgot what I was going to say, which is a great start to a podcast. I know I've remembered what I was going to say now. You haven't been appearing on Ted Lasso, but I tell you what, I've been watching some documentaries this week and you appeared in two of the documentaries that I was watching. Messy Destiny. and what, what, What's the other yeah, one? Yeah, really good. Well, basically, I made a mistake and watched the older Argentina documentary first, uh, thinking it was the one that had, that had just come out. So you were you were in that, and then I was like, "There's no, absolutely nothing about the World Cup here. What it's ended as we get to the World Cup? What's going on here?" And then I realised I'd watched the wrong documentary, so I went straight on and watched the the messy one, and you were you were in that as well. When when the BBC wants someone to talk about Argentina or Messi, they obviously come to you. It's a nice cardigan in the second one, isn't it? They, they... It's a Christmas present, so it's really comfortable. Remember. I don't remember. You don't remember the cardigan? No, I'll watch I it again. I did. I will go back and check check out the cardigan. I was more. I was more ready for for what you were saying. It was. It was really good, actually. That messy destiny documentary was really, really great. I really enjoyed it. Kieran, have you watched it? I've watched the messy one. Yeah, I think I watched it. I think they had it on during the World Cup. Yeah, it was really good. Okay. No, that was the first no, one. We've done another one. That was, the, yeah, oh, that was a different one. There's oh, two. Okay. Yeah, don't make the same mistake I made. There's a newer one where you can see a more <laughs> recent Jonathan Wilson. So there's one just called Messi and one called Messi Destiny. Okay. Like Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd, I mean, I'd missed you being in Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is fit. Not that you were really in it, but your book was in it. So I got my Jonathan Wilson fix elsewhere by watching documentaries this week. But of course, uh, excitingly, if you are a fan of Ted Lasso, even if you're not, the uh, the book that keeps on appearing in that, its new edition comes out tomorrow, Thursday, Ooh. June the 8th. So uh, you can go and order it wherever you want, but make sure you get the one that says 15th anniversary edition. It's a slightly paler cover. I might treat myself to the newer edition. I've got oh, the other one. I've, I've got the other one. I've not read it. I'm, I'm obviously not going to get any comps from from you, so I'll I'll have to have to have to buy it myself. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to do that after this. I'm going to treat myself to, oh, to the new edition. I'm, I'm touched. Yeah, looking forward looking forward to reading that before bed every night. Anyway, I've gone on way too long about Jonathan Wilson. Let's talk about Manchester City v Inter Milan. It is, of course, the Champions League final this weekend. Jonathan potentially Manchester City's clutch player. Ilkay Gundogan could be his last game. He's pivotal at the end of last season in winning them the, the league. Pivotal again this season with some really important goals. And of course, two goals in the FA Cup final as well. So you'd expect him to be amongst it because he, he really seems like a big game player. Yeah, I think we've seen the last two seasons that he's, he's timed his form just right, that he's come into form sort of the, the March-April time. And that last sort of you know, eight, ten games of the season has been when he's been at his best. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I think he's a, I think he's a brilliant player anyway. I think the the, the balance of that midfield with with Rodri holding with De Bruyne as the creator and him sort of filling that gap, uh, yeah, I think is is pretty much perfect. Um, I, I'm slightly surprised the City uh, apparently so willing to to let him go, but they yeah you know, they tend to get decisions like this right. I mean, we we would. Slightly baffled when Giacantello left. We were slightly baffled when Leo Sano left. And they both turned out to be the, the right thing. So uh, I think one of the one of the facets of a of a club that has success over a long period is working out when to release players who've been good for them, uh, not being over-sentimental. 
Uh, I mean, the issue is over the length of his contract, isn't it? Which I, I guess often happens to players as they as they get into their thirties. Um, but yeah, I mean, if Arsenal do sign him, and Arsenal seem to be the the, the the team who are making the biggest noise about signing him, I think he'd be another excellent City cast off for them. But it would be a City cast off. Is he a cast off? That was very harsh to describe him as a cast off. I understand what you're saying that they'll only offer him a certain amount of contract. And Cancelo left, but I didn't feel he was on really good form this season. I think Laporte will probably leave as well. He's fell a little bit out, out of favour. But Gundogan is visibly well. Okay, no, Cancelo players. started the season really well. Cancelo, I think, up to November was arguably the best player in the league. Never mind the city. This oh, season, yeah, my memory of that yeah. is that he was he was not having a good season. I remember him getting sent off in a game. I just felt like he wasn't the same standards as he was the year before. No, I think he had a really good start of the season. Okay, uh, and then faded after the World Cup. I I, I agree, but um, no, I thought I thought he started the season really well. Um, no, I mean he still is a castle because if City wanted him, they could have him. It's not that Gundogan is agitating to leave. It's Gundogan sort of saying, "I would like a two-year contract," and they're saying, "You can have one year." City could clearly afford to give him a two-year contract if they want to. It's it's not that he's asking for that at the age of thirty-eight or something. Hmm. Um, they're they're saying no, we 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 don't need you. You can take a one-year deal or, or you can go. So beyond City's terms, if he leaves, I, I, that, I mean, look, he's not he's not a cast-off in the sense of going, "Ha, you're rubbish, get out." But it, it's on their terms. Really interesting. I mean, Kieran, you're a lot younger than Jonathan and, my, and myself, and I've used the term clutch player which is very in with the kids, I think. Can you think of a more clutch player around than Gundogan at the moment? Because I can't. <laughs> so, so this is what you said at the moment, because I was about to go Mark Hughes. And then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, is what, this is what I'd ask you in the, the question, Jonathan. I can't, I can't ask you that question. Uh, nah, it's hard to think, but I mean, obviously he did it last season. He's doing it again this year. He's coming up with the goods. He's basically... Secure them the title, got those back to back braces against uh, I think it was Leeds and Everton. Obviously, scored two goals in the cup final. Um, but yeah, it does feel like he is that kind of clutch player, comes in at the right time. Um, but I think he is beyond, he's beyond just that. I think he is a vital player in their team. Obviously, most people focus on your Harlands, the Bruins, but you know, I get a lot of people saying, Oh, Gundogan's being underrated. I don't think that's the case. I think he just does goes about his job, and because he's starting to add goals to his game. I think it's just more noticeable, especially the importance of them as well. But I'd definitely take him if he was up for grabs, 100%. Was it the season before last? No, well, so, sorry, last season has obviously just gone. So a couple of seasons ago, I think it was the lockdown season, where, where he just kept scoring every week at, at one point, and he hadn't ever done that in his Man City career yeah, he, before. He was he was a top scorer for a while in that season, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, it was partly because yeah. he did take a couple of penalties in that run. But, but yeah, there was a, a spell when he was top scorer. So for three seasons now, he's he's really seems to have added goals to his game quite late in, in in his in his time in his career. But he seems to have become that really important player that that scores important goals and scores a high volume of goals. Jonathan, if he were if he were to leave, I don't really hear many murmurings of Man City signing a central midfielder at the moment. Obviously, it looks like Bellingham's going to go to Real Madrid, but he would be would be a huge loss. On where would they go to 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 get someone in to replace him? Um, I mean, they would need somebody. I mean. You... You could play Bernardo Silva centrally and play Riyad Mahrez on the wing. Yeah, that that would not be a disaster. But I think it's weaker than what they've got. They'd need um, a player presi- body in to replace him, though. They'd need. Yeah, they they, they, yeah. they they would absolutely. Um, I, I guess that my, my point with that is that you wouldn't need somebody to come in and be brilliant immediately. You could slowly integrate no. them. Maybe they've seen Calvin Phillips in training and he's much playing much better in training than we realise. 
and that he is he is ready to step into the side. I mean, we've seen him play alongside Declan Rice Wing and the way he maybe could play not totally dissimilarly to, to how they need him to play alongside Rodri. That that's a possibility. Um that's very difficult to say because he's played so little this season, but they do have another yeah, what was he sixty million quid they, they paid for him? So they do have another expensive midfielder sitting there waiting for, for his chance. So, so maybe maybe they just have confidence in Calvin Phillips. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Phillips could potentially play next to, to Rodri there, Jonathan. Kieran, Rodri, of course, didn't play the last time Manchester City got to a, a Champions League final, which seems borderline ridiculous now that he'd be left out because I can't remember a time when he wasn't in Manchester City's midfield. Now, he, he's been a mainstay. He plays every single week. He's one of the ones that rarely gets rotated because they haven't got someone of the calibre to come in and, and replace him. Is he arguably their most important player, Roger? I know I've just waxed lyrical about Gundogan, but <laughs> Rodri feels the one in the team that's that they really can't do without and he'll be pivotal against Inter Milan at the weekend? Yeah, I think so. I think he's um, vital in a number of ways. Of course, I'd say he's up there as one of the best in his position in the world, I think. Um, you know, the stats you know, the stats tell stories. Obviously, he's one possession in the midfield third, most in the Premier League um, and the Champions League as well. Um, and in that final, it wasn't more so the defensive side of the game. I know they lost, of course, but it was just the 1-0. But it was the whole build-up. Um, it almost like they lack something. They they lack something in the base of the midfield, and their cr- more creative players were kind of limited in that game alone. They only created five key passes. You know that kind of sums it up. And Mason Mount alone for Chelsea in that game created three. So it kind of shows they were very limited because, um, as as I said, the more attack-minded players had to uh, play a bit more deeper. I mean, I think their midfield three was Foden, Gundogan, and Silva. Um, so that tells you all you need to know. Whereas in this new system, we see Rodri just sits in that almost base with stones in front of the uh, back three. So obviously the more creative players are allowed to go forward and flourish. And yeah, in that sense, I think he's just so key to the build-up and he's always involved um, in so many different ways. I mean, in the Champions League, no players had more accurate passes or touches. So it just shows how involved he is in matches. Um, but yeah, if you take that ele- element out, of Man City's team is almost, you know, kind of breaking, breaking the puzzle. I suppose I can't think of a better phrase, but um, and it kind of breaks the whole team down. So yeah, I'd say he's up there as probably one of their most important players, and definitely one of the first on the team sheet. It was that decision that that got levelled at Peppers overthinking. I mean, it's one it's one decision in one game. I can't remember too many other times he's he's got much wrong. Pep, but he, because they haven't won the Champions League because he left Rodri out that, that night against Chelsea, that has become like a, a pivotal moment in his history and Manchester City's history. So they'll be looking to extinguish that this weekend, Jonathan. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it came after a series of slightly odd decisions in key European games. If you think the game against Lyon when he suddenly went to a back three, as some kind of defence against Leon's counter-attacking, you're sort of thinking, come on, it's Leon. They're, the, they're eighth in Liga or something at the time. Why are you changing to accommodate them? You know, they, they should be scared of you. Uh, if you remember the game at Liverpool in the Champions League when they conceded those three goals in the first half, and I think they played a like a 4-4-2 that night with Gundogan on the left. Um, there was, at Bayern, there was the slightly strange selection Um away against Atletico, I think. Did he did he bring Thomas Muller on late, which which sort of cost them uh a bit of control in midfield and then sort of base everything around Muller in the second leg and they end up losing two one at home. Um there was the back three for buying away at Barcelona when they, they ended up getting beat three nil. 
so he kept doing it in big European games. It wasn't it wasn't a one off. That was just sort of a culmination, and it that was one of those nights where, yeah, normally the team sheet arrives and you sort of look over, and go, and that was like the team sheet arrives. Like, what? Wait, what, what, what's he doing? And you sort of almost think that somebody printed this out wrong because it just seems so incredible. Um, and yeah, I've, I know Chelsea players have said since. I mean, they wouldn't say this on the record, but they've said since that they heard the team and they sort of thought. <laughs> get in we've got this uh which i hadn't been thinking before that so um i think one of the things that holland has given them has given pep is that there's a very straightforward way to play now he doesn't have to overcomplicate things that by by picking holland it necessarily simplifies everything because everything else falls into place because he's not going to move uh so you can't really you know, keeping adding on bells and whistles and new complications um i think that, i think there is to the slight potential that he he might do something strange for this game, having been pretty consistent in his selection recently. Well, I'll tell you why. And this comes on a much bigger issue. Um, but Inter play two up front. And not many teams in the Premier League do play two up front. So if you look at this season, 38 league games, they've played against teams who played two centre-forwards. And I, I know that there are... That distinction between is it two centre-forwards, is it one centre-forward or one just off? Occasionally that's slightly arbitrary. But... Yeah, in in as far as I can work it out, um, they've played eight games against teams who play two centre forwards, uh, and in those games, they've only kept two clean sheets. So that's twenty five percent of the time they keep a clean sheet against teams who play one up front. Uh, so that's the other thirty games uh, they kept eleven clean sheets, which is thirty seven percent. So that's between twenty five percent and thirty seven percent. So that that is quite a big difference. They seem to struggle slightly against two up front. Uh, and I think it's it's a particular issue if you want to have Stones playing as a second centre-back stepping into the midfield. Um, now, the only game where he's tried to do that uh, against a team playing two up front, because obviously that was quite late in the season that, that that was adopted, was the game at Bournemouth, which City won 4-1, and Stones was taken off after 56 minutes for Kyle Walker anyway. So we don't really have any evidence as to what Guardiola does against an elite side who comes against them with, with two centre-forwards. So given that I think he'd be wary about playing Diaz and Stones, the two centre-backs, with Stones stepping up, because you, you know then, then you're leaving one of the centre-forwards free, essentially, there has to be some kind of adjustment. Now, that, it might just be as simple as Stones doesn't step up. He just stays back in a, in a orthodox back four. But there is a potential there, I think. For, if, you know, if he is going to overthink things, that is where the overthinking would come trying to counter that that issue of the two centre forwards. So that's interesting because I think the eleven I mean I think we could pretty much pick the, the eleven now that, that Pep will pick. I think it will be the same eleven bar the goalkeeper that played in, in the FA Cup final. But I think what that I would agree does, absolutely that eleven it makes it very, very flexible that he can kind of play that flat back four. If that's not working or he wants to change something, he can easily change to the three and stone step in, into midfield. So what that personnel, what that eleven gives you is it gives you the flexibility of, of changing between the two and they'll be they'll be more than au fait now in both systems because they've been doing it a lot the, the second half of the season. Or or you can create that three by having uh, Rodri dropping deeper and the two fullbacks pushing on. You can do that as well. 
Yeah, true. So it's kind of like because that eleven is is so flexible, and you, Bernardo Silva hasn't played on the right hand side too many times in the league, but in the big European games, he tends to be the one that plays there. His work rate's so immense, and he he's very good tactically and very good defensively as well. I think City just having that flexibility will mean that he doesn't need to overthink it. If that makes sense, I look. He shouldn't, but I'm saying if there is overthinking to be done, that's where it'll happen, because that, that that's the issue where you sort of think. Him playing, but, but yeah, the natural way that it feels like City play over the last three months, that that's where you sort of think, oh, I wonder if that's going to work. So that that's where there could be a tweak. Yeah, they're having that rhythm at the moment as well in the big games that eleven have, have played together a number of times in in recent weeks. Well, no, I suppose in recent, obviously the fact that they've rested people the last two or three. But you know, the tail which, end which I do wonder season. if that could be an issue. That look, it's it's very it's clearly very limited sample size. Um, and it's partly to do with resting players against Brentford. But he didn't play that well against Brentford last day of the season. The cup final, they, they were better than United. They deserved to win it. They weren't quite at the level they'd been a month earlier. So you do wonder whether... Well, I think it's a natural thing. I think Guardiola is pretty much on record as saying he aims to get his teams to peak in April. As they, you know, and, and that obviously was absolutely critical in terms of winning a league, in terms of getting to the Champions League final. It may just be that they've gone slightly over that peak, and they're still clearly way, way better than Inter. But I don't think they're quite as remorseless as they were sort of four or six weeks ago. No, I, just, I never felt they were in any great trouble at the weekend against Manchester United. I almost feel, Kieran, as if they're kind of they've been saving themselves for, for this one, this Champions League final. This is the one that they, they really, really want as a, as a club, as a manager and as players. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I think no one really expected that um, quick start after, what was it, 13 seconds. I think that kind of shocked no. everyone. Um, but yeah, I mean, City could have easily won a lot more. Man United weren't great, but I don't know. Like you said, I think they kind of held their gap, foot off the gas a bit, you know, and I think they had full focus on this weekend. Um, I was sort of surprised at how poor Man United were in a way. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't, but they could have easily done a lot better, but City probably knew that they had the game won and yeah, like you said, full focus on the Champions League. Yeah, and they're coming up against a familiar face, Jonathan Edinjeko. We expect to, to line up alongside Martinez up front for for, for Inter Milan. Really, he, in, in history for Man City, he was a he was a big player. And again, this is another this is one of those interesting side stories that sometimes developing games. Jeko coming up against his his old club. Do you, do you think he was underrated when he was at Manchester City? Yeah, I do. I mean, you know, that QPR game was him who got the equaliser, which I think people can forget. Uh, I think he. He performed a very, very useful role for them. Um, like, is he an absolutely elite level player? Probably not quite, but he, he's a very, very good player. And I, I sort of feel his level hasn't really dipped that much. You know, I mean, he's what, 30, 37 now, is he? Um, and, you know, he's still playing. You know, that, that first leg against Milan, that first half, he was he was brilliant. You know, he, and I think he's, he's always suffered right throughout his career that he sort of just doesn't look like a footballer. Um, so, you know, when he was at Zelensnika, uh, uh, yeah, the story was then that they, you know, Bosnia is sort of famous for its sort of diminutive, very technically gifted dribblers, and, and he's clearly not that. And, and so you know, his nickname was, was Klotch, which means like a um, like a pole that you put a, a sign or a lamp on top of. So, you know, like lamppost or something. Um, and they didn't really sort of seem to grasp what, how good he was at that role. Uh, and the, the story is when they sold him to Teplice in, in uh, Slovakia, I think, or Czech Republic, for 25 grand. 
you know, all the directors uh, of the Zeke show went, went out and had champagne to celebrate because they couldn't believe they got 25 grand for this lump. And then, you know, a couple of years later, he's moving for millions of euros to um, to Wolfsburg. So um, I, th I think throughout his career, people have looked at him and they're sort of, I don't know, there's something slightly ungainly about him. He just doesn't have a grace of a, that we sort of a, associate with a great player. But I think he's been a hugely useful player. I think he's been a great player for, for Bosnia over that sort of 10, 15 years when when Bosnian football was, you know, they kept on losing in playoffs and eventually qualified for the World Cup in 2014. Um, like clearly, he's past his best now, but still to be playing in a Champions League final at 37, um, yeah, that's that's a great achievement. He's had an impact everywhere he's gone as well. He was very good at Roma as well, which which got in the move to Inter Milan. Important player for City, scored some important goals and obviously did very well at, at Wolfsburg as well, which was what got in the move to the Premier League in the in the first place. I just think it's a it's an interesting dynamic and as as a front two or one playing off them, like, like I think Jacko and Martinez, that that's a difficult proposition for for any team. Albeit, you know, Inter Milan lost the league by eighteen points to Napoli. They've lost twelve times in the in the league, but you know they've won two domestic trophies and they've got the chance of, of winning a European trophy this weekend as well. They've got interesting, dangerous options off the, off the bench as well. I've having that Kieran. I mean, we expect Lukaku to, to start on the bench. That's a hell of a player to be able to bring on in a final. I mean, yeah, I mean, hundred um, percent. He scored three goals off the bench. Um, all of his seven appearances have come off the bench as well, um, and he has been very clinical in terms of players who have registered 100 minutes in the Champions League. Um, he's got the third best rate in terms of uh, touches per goal. So every 27 touches, he scored a goal uh, in the Champions League. Um, so Harland? Showed... Harland uh, had it, I think it was 19... no, 17.9. And then Osman second with 25 touches yeah, per you goal. Could, you could have guessed the top two, in fact. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have guessed the third, but I would have, I would have guessed the top two, I think. But no, nah, it just shows you the obviously the clinical nature of him from the bench. Um, like you said, he probably will start from the bench, but equally he could be a good option to start um, from the off with Jeko if he go if they decide to switch up, maybe add a more physical presence up front. We obviously they're two strikers who are quite tall. Uh, they win a lot of aerial duels. It could cause City problems, especially if Inter decides to go with more of a long ball approach, which they have at times. Uh, during the campaign but um yeah like you said it is it's a quality player to have from the bench but then equally city we've got julian alvarez who ranks as the seventh best substitute in the champions league this season and we all know how good he can be from the bench and he is a kind of different striker in a way to what harland is and in a similar way he can play with him so you know it will be interesting to see the role subs play in this final if they of course needed later on yeah, another interesting player for Inter Milan, Jonathan, is Denzel Dumfries. Player, I, I mean, look, I can't claim to watch a load of Italian football because I don't, but whenever there's an international tournament rolling around or knockout of the Champions League, Dumfries is, is always someone that, that stands out. What have you made of him over his career? Yeah, I mean, it's him and uh, DeMarco on the other side are clearly big threats from, from wing-back. And that's another issue where you know, playing against back three, City's record is not as good as it's playing against back fours. I think... I think it's 2.11 points per game against back threes this season as opposed to 2.4 something against back fours. So, um, in Dumfries and DeMarco, between them, I think, is it eight assists and four goals this season? Um, so, they, they, yeah, they do pose a threat going through, going, you know, going forward. I think DeMarco was, uh, that first half of the game against Milan, of the first leg against Milan, was was exceptional. Um, and, and, you know, if you, if you look back at... 
the game when City lost at home to Brentford. Uh, and I think that's probably the best any team's played against City this season. And OK, it's, it's City before they hit their real top form in, in March, April. Um, and that was partly to do... And that was a 3-5-2 that Brentford played. So I think City have only played against 3-5-2 four times in the league this season. One of them was against Forest, where they won very comfortably 6-0. Uh, one of them, they beat Brighton 3-1. And then the other two, the Brentford games, which they lost both of them. But but if you if you look at that Brentford game, and it's, it's such a weird thing to say that the, the, the team playing City in the Champions League final need to have a look at Brentford for a model of how to play. But they had the very mobile front two uh, with Tony and Nembrema, um, which is, is hard for, for Inter to replicate. Yeah, Let's have Martinez can do that to an extent. Neither Lukaku nor nor Jekko, and I think Jekko probably will start. Neither of them has that mobility. But equally, their job really is eight men behind the ball, two men to find space. Well, Jekko is intelligent enough to do that to try and find pockets of space. He doesn't have to do it quickly as long as he he, he does find the space. Uh, but then the other thing Brentford did incredibly effectively was to get Rico Henry forward from left wing back. Um, now. Can DeMarco and Odom Priest do that? Well, possibly, yeah. Uh, but I think it's that that left side that looks interesting. Um, you know, as you know, I'm a huge fan of Bernardo Silva, but he's not a physically big player. And if you have a wing back charging past him repeatedly, as Rico Henry did in that game, and it was Bernardo Silva playing on the right that game, one of one of the league games where he, he did do that. And the guy's was it earlier. Well, I mean, it was you, you're right, but that was a game where that did happen. Um, it, can DeMarco put a similar put similar physical pressure on Bernardo Silva? Yeah, probably not quite to the level of Rico Henry, but yeah, he, he can pressure him. And, and you know, seven goal involvements this season shows what a threat he can be. So if Inter are going to win this game, and I don't think they will, but if, if they were to do so, they're going to have a back three. They're going to have to have a wing back sitting deep, not leaving space behind him. And you think of the second leg of the semi final, have Bernardo Silva found space behind Camavinga. You, you can't let that happen, obviously. They're going to be playing the midfield three pretty deep, uh, which you assume will be three of Chalinoglu, Mkhitaryan, Barella, and um, Brozovic. Sorry. He's tend to have been left out more, doesn't he, Bro- Brozovic? Well, I, th- I think, it, think it largely depends on Mkhitaryan's fitness. But the point is, any of those four, whichever three they perm from those four, all of them will be quite happy sitting deep, but all of them are also good on the ball. So if you want people to release your wing-backs on the break or, or, or pick out Dzeko or, or um, uh, Lautaro Martinez, they're very good players to do it. None of them are sort of lumps in the back of midfield. None of them are there just for their engines. They're all decent on the ball. So you, know, you, you, feel, you pack that space in the middle with six players. You have a wing-back on either side who's got to be pretty mobile and pretty energetic and then you have a two forwards essentially in free rolls finding space that's not unlike the brentford template so the the, the the there are possibilities there i wasn't expecting the, the to have to follow the game plan of, of brentford it wasn't a conversation i was expecting to be having but you know you're right brentford did the double over over manchester city manchester city really really struggled with, with them twice so yeah i think, I think you're right it's a it's a 
it's a true thing to, to go back and, and have a look at. Just before we go on to our combined 11s, Jonathan, have you, what have you thought of, is there a bit of a resurgence going on with Italian football at the moment? Three teams in the, in the various European finals, had three teams in the knockouts as well. Juventus have fell away for varying reasons in, in, in the league, but there's some, some good outfits in, in Serie A now. I certainly think it's a, it's a better league than maybe it was five to 10 years ago. I think there's an element of truth to that. I think, I think, um, I mean, I think was it five, semi-finalists in the European competitions, which obviously is uh, five out of 12 is is a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that does speak to a certain strength there. Let's see next season. I mean, clearly financially, they're a million miles off the Premier League, but they are definitely, I'd say they are better than they were five, 10 years ago. I think La League is in decline, albeit severe, yet again, winning, um, you know, is it 18 European finals now where Spanish sides have beaten non-Spanish opposition? Um but, but yeah, I, I think you, you look at the level of Barcelona and Real Madrid, and they're not what they were. Um, Atletico yeah, had a better second half of the season than first, but they, they're not what they were. Uh, Germany, I don't know. I, I, Dortmund in the Champions League, uh, I think if Potter had said it's, uh, yeah, if Potter yeah, clearly led Chelsea to beat them. But that was pretty comfortable. It was more comfortable than 2-1 scoreline, suggested that I think if Potter had stayed on, yeah, Chelsea would have been better off in, in Europe. But the fact that that Dortmund, who really weren't very impressive against a, you know, the team who finished 12th in the Premier League, that they could run by in so close, I don't know, it doesn't strike me as a great sign for league. So, so maybe maybe Italy is back challenging to, to be the second best league. Let's do the combined 11s then. And Kieran, we'll do the who scored one first. What 11 has the algorithm come up with for this? First off, uh, system please, Kieran. Oh, yeah, we have to hear. It's 4-3-3. Four, 4-3-3. Three, three. Four, three, three. Okay, at least it's relevant to one of the teams this week, so that, that's good. <laughs> um, and it starts with Andre Onana in goal. Uh, back four, John Stones, Ruben Diaz, Alessandro Bastoni and Nathan Ake. Uh, the three-man midfield is Bernardo Silva, Rodri and Kevin De Bruyne. And then the three up top is Riyad Mahrez, Erlen Haaland and Jack Grealish. So how many, what was the spread there? 9-2. Uh, 9-2, so... No barrings on on who scored on what they can. I suppose the algorithm is the algorithm, so you've got to pick an eleven based on the on the races. But Jonathan, you've been you've been had a bit of a, t- a ticking off. Not allowed to just just pick Manchester City players. Would you have if you'd had to have done your eleven and you hadn't been banned from doing this? Would it have been eleven Manchester City players? Yeah, obviously, obviously. But you've you've been banned from that this week, so you've had to have a six and a five. Split. It's because yeah, you lost the vote. You lost, lost the vote the last week, so for the uh, Premier well, League team... Public idiots, I don't care. I mean, if, if ever there was um, anyone that wouldn't care about the vote, I'm pretty sure Jonathan would be, <laughs> would be on the list. So, obviously, the team I'm about to give you is weaker than the Manchester City team because it's got five interplayers in it, because I have it's to. Up to the, it's, up, it's up to the manager to try and make a team out of that, though, isn't it? It's up to, yeah, know, but there are two teams who play in... Com- it's two teams who play in completely different ways. So, okay. trying to trying to merge them is a nonsense. So what you end up doing is trying to do the least damage. So they, these interplays aren't good enough to play in a 4-3-3. So I've had to go to a back five. So which which five interplayers can I pick that will do least damage to the City team? Well, let's go for Inano in goal. Yeah. I've, we'll have yeah. A, a Cherby at the middle of the back three with Stones and Diaz either side of him. We'll have the two, two into wing backs. So we'll have Dumfries and, and DeMarco. We'll have a City midfield, obviously. Uh, so Rodri, Gundogan, and um, De Bruyne, and then you have to have Holland. 
which leaves me having to pick Leto and Martinez to play off Holland. I mean, it, it's not as good a team as just picking 11 City players. It's not as good a team as picking 10 City players or nine City players or eight or seven. But that's the best team I think you can make using only six City players, having to have five of this into a lot of jokers. Well, here's a trait for you. I've I've had a go at doing it this this week, Jonathan. So I've got the same rules as you. I've got exactly the same, well, got similar system to you. I've done it, I've done it slightly differently there. So I've gone for Anana in goal because, you know, he's actually a very good goalkeeper. Anyway. Well, and Edison's had, a, had the worst season he's had at City, yeah. probably. So I think that's a, even if you were doing an 11, Anana might have a shout of getting in. And, and he is good with the seats. Yeah, he got in the first quarter, yeah. didn't he, Anana? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's in. The, I've gone complete Man City back three. Walker, Stones and Diaz. That's my back three. I've gone Dumfries as right wing back and then cheated a little bit, which probably ruins my whole team, actually, and takes away what, what I've tried to do. I've gone Bernardo on the left because I think I think he could play. I think he could play that position in this team. He did play left back away at Arsenal. Well, I did, that, that did cross yeah. my mind, so I've gone that. And it was dreadful. Rodri- <laughs> yeah, but for, for this game, we'll, we'll have we'll give him another chance there. I've gone Rodri and Barella as a, as a two. I really like Barella. He's a player. Every time I watch him, yeah. I think he, he's got something about him. I, I love it. I love his energy. I think he's really tenacious in there. I think he's a he's a high level player, Barella. And then De Bruyne playing in front of them as a number ten, and then the same as you, the Toro and Haaland as my front two. I think that's a that's a good team. I think the team would go far in the Champions League. I would say. <laughs> I think tactically, that's a very good team. Anyway. Silence. No one thinks it. No. Oh, I think it's good. Yeah. Kieran, if you had to choose a t- out of mine or Jonathan's team, incidentally, which one would you choose? <laughs> can, let, can let Twitter decide again. If we... well, no, we're going to do that. Anyway, <laughs> but I, I, I'm asking you. You've got no hard, no hiding places on a three-man podcast, Kieran. You've got to. Uh, you got to. You got to answer. I, I might. I'm, you might edge it, Dan. I think. I might edge it. I mean, again, I Jonathan doesn't. Jonathan doesn't care. He's not going to lose any sleep over you picking <laughs> my, my, my over over his at all. He gets paid the big bucks I, for doing um, the best football journalist out there, so he doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> care. Doesn't care one bit. But I think it's an interesting exercise. I mean, clearly the who scored. If we put them on Twitter, the who scored team is probably going to win because it's nine Man City players. Also, the way they do the Twitter thing, you see that one first, and you, you have to scroll all the way to right. Yeah. So. yeah, we're always we're always at a disadvantage, yeah. aren't? Aren't we? We'll switch up this time, shall we? <laughs> yeah, put Jonathan. Put Jonathan's first, okay. as you've just said. It's the it's the worst team. We'll put Jonathan. Well, you have to Jonathan's you have to make clear this is not actually my best eleven. It's it's hmm. the best eleven. Yeah, in fact, you know, putting your team in there is almost pointless because you we're operating under different rules. Okay, we'll put you your you're two up for vote then. Jonathan's could you not do it? First. Could we not have done it? I mean, it's too late now. But could who scored not yeah. do the team with the same rules using the ratings? I mean, that would have we only got about two? Two players different. Man, yeah, yeah, it's not much. Yeah, <laughs> who have I got that you haven't? Did you have Walker? Well, I, I've got a Cherby in. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've got Walker. I, I know I've got a Cherby. Is that it? Is that the only difference? You've got you've got Gundogan. I got Gundogan, and you've got Barella. How soon am I allowed to bring on substitutes? I don't know. I mean, I don't even know how the subs would work in this game. <laughs> I'll do, I'll, I'll do. I'll do five in the first minute. Get rid of the inter jokers and bring in uh, <laughs> no, the no, players. You're not allowed to do that. You're talking like Inter. I think Inter. Are, I don't think this is cut and dry. I think this will be close. I mean, thirteen to two for a one-off game, especially Champions League finals. Yeah, I'm just having memories of me t- being convinced that Real Madrid would just win the Champions League as well, and Man City just absolutely ripped them to shreds. And they know what they're doing in the Champions League as well. So yeah, okay. Mm. Let's have some score predictions then. Kieran, we'll come to you first. What's your score prediction? I've gone for a 3 1 
to City. Three one to Man City. Jonathan. Three uh, 0 to City. I'm gonna go two one to Manchester City. I think it'll. I think it'll be close. Extra time wouldn't surprise me either. I think a lot of cup finals go to extra time. This extra time at the weekend would not. I really hope it doesn't. I mean, oh, yeah, you're there. Right, yeah. Ten, ten o'clock Istanbul time. So it'd be bad enough anyway. Like finishing at midnight, but you know, extra time and penalties finish at one a.m. I won't be getting out when we get back to the hotel. We'll half four or five. No, not great for you. Good for the good it's for miles the miles out of though. town as well. Miles out of town. Well, well, yeah, they put in a, they put in a metro since two thousand and five. So hopefully, it won't be as bad as two thousand and five, but. It's yeah, from, from my hotel, which is pretty central to the stadium, is saying it's an hour and 20 minutes by metro, including two changes. So I don't, I don't even know how late the metro runs. I might have to wait and pick it up again the next morning. No, I'm sure you'll be. There's enough taxis in, in Istanbul. You can probably get a taxi. Let's call it there then. A lovely little chat about the Champions League final. Jonathan, have a wonderful time in Istanbul. Make sure you, Thank enjoy, you, make sure you enjoy it. I mean, you go every year to the Champions League final, don't you? Uh, I mean, not the COVID ones, but yes. Uh, but yes. That's just normal, normal life for you. I've never been to a Champions League final, so if I was going, I, well, I wouldn't care about anything. Oh, I'd be but so go excited. on really yeah. late. Like The players do all this silly celebrating and stuff on the pitch. So that's it for the Edge of the Box podcast this season. Hopefully you've enjoyed the content. Hopefully you've enjoyed this video as well. Give it a like if you have and comment below with your predictions ahead of the Champions League final this weekend. Have a lovely summer. Enjoy the last round of football. I say last round of football. There's going to be loads of football internationals and, what, and whatnot the weeks after as well. So football never really goes away but enjoy it all have a good summer and stay safe